Quick note about this week's interview. Um, we sat down with the Blankmeyer family, brother and sister Blankmeyer and Eliza, and it was a really long interview because we were just having such a great time and such a good conversation. It went about two hours. Usually we try to keep it to about an hour. Um, and at the end of the day, Cammie and I decided that there really just wasn't anything that we could cut out to make it an hour. Um, it's just so great hearing Brother Blank Meyer's story of learning about and joining the church, the two of them meeting, Sister Blank Meyer's early childhood experiences with the Native American placement program and, and her um, experiences with the Spirit. There's just no way you can cut out Sweet Eliza talking about the temple and some of their fun family stories. So we have decided to go ahead and publish the entire interview and we'll break it up into two parts, uh, two podcast episodes to try to make it a little bit more digestible. But we're re- really grateful for the Blank Myers and hope you enjoy this week's episode. Welcome to the Crystal Valley Casserole, a podcast where we introduce you to members of our ward. We are Chad and Kemi Smith. We are not professional podcasters. We record this at home. We have kids. And they are loud. And we like to eat dessert with our guests. So you might hear some noise occasionally. But we have some amazing people we want you to meet. So without further ado, pull up a seat and join us as we get to know some of the ingredients that make up the Crystal Valley casserole. Okay, well, welcome to the Crystal Valley Casserole. We're really, really excited to have the Blankmeyer family with us today, brother and sister Blankmeyer and and Eliza. So thank you so much for coming. We're really looking forward to getting to know you better. Um, So let's go ahead and start out with some of those uh, early life experiences. If you'll tell us about your family, where you grew up, what your family looked like, and some formative experiences as you were growing up. And Sister Blankmeyer, if you'd go ahead and start off for us. Sure. I grew up in Placentia, California, just outside of Fullerton and Anaheim in Orange County. And um, grew up in the church. My family's long members since Joseph Smith era on a couple lines so uh, my dad was always serving in the church and leadership positions and our house was a lot of fun but um, he also knew how to lecture over every meal he taught seminary for 11 years so we got indoctrinated at a young age That's which so I appreciate cool. now but also as a kid sometimes you're like Okay. Well, that's uh, cool because I don't know that a lot of people get to follow their parents in the seminary teaching thing. Yeah, Maybe they do. Right. I don't, know, I don't like, know that I'm gonna uh, try and beat his his. Uh, uh, Eleven streak. Yeah. <laughs> okay. But we also had um, we, I had two brothers and two sisters, so there were five kids, and my um, parents were older. They had me. I think they didn't start having kids until they were in their 30s. And um, my brother's 10 years older than me, so I was in their 40s when they had me. So um, it it gave a different perspective. My dad's an engineer. My mom's a um, stay-at-home mom, but she was also an early childhood educator, um, but uh, had retired by the time I came along. Anyway, so, yeah, we had a good family life. My... Brothers were always tearing apart cars, and I'd go out and want to be a part of it. So I learned how to do a lot of car stuff, which I think is 
kind of a unique thing that for a female to really know how to, yeah, that is change yeah, stuff. Yeah. Cool. And I I may have missed it. Maybe you already said it, but how many brothers did you have? Two. Two. Two older yeah. brothers. Yeah. So I had was two it? older brothers, two older sisters, and I'm the baby. Okay. Mm-hmm. And then um, we also, my parents participated in the um, Native American placement program, which took yeah. place in California at least. And uh, I had an Indian brother and an Indian sister. Whoa. who were. Uh, my brother was basically the same age as my brother, so like nine and ten years older than me. And then my um, sister was about six years older than me. Wow. So. I would love to spend an entire podcast episode just talking about that because I think that whole era program, and yeah. program is fascinating. The, yeah. the fact that you participate in that is right. And he really was nine. My brother was nine when he came to us, and I was just born, so I didn't know my family without oh, him. Oh yeah, right. And oh. so he was with us until he graduated high school. Uh-huh. So that's oh. my whole life. And right? that really yeah. changes the dynamic. Yeah, lot. so he was yeah. he was a part of our family. And my sister, same, uh, but she didn't come until she was a teenager. Okay. But I was also young, so yeah, still she felt grew like up with I, her. And yeah. I mean, do you do you guys still consider them part of your family? Like, are you still yes. in contact? Like, you still like yeah. get together with them? Uh, not like I. I mean, I guess my brother died about uh, four years ago. So he's not, but, and he was in the military for a while, so we didn't kind of lost contact with him a little oh, bit. Oh, okay. My sister lives in Salt Lake, or South, it's more like. In the Salt Lake area. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Anyway, so we, we don't see her very often. My mom and dad see her a lot more than I do, like okay. maybe at least but once still, a year. Yeah, but like your parents are still like, yeah, they, these yeah. are like. Your and I thought we're in touch on Facebook, but okay. yeah. Okay, yeah. Wow, that's that's super cool. Uh, yeah, that's, that's very cool. Very, very fascinating. Yeah. Oh, cool. Would you say you had, um, I don't know, was there like, you know how kids sometimes will be like, oh, I went to EFY, and I remember that really being like the, a root of my testimony, or maybe it was the constant lecturing at the dinner table by your dad, <laughs> yeah. that you would say like, wow, I like lean on those spiritual moments from being a kid like to get me through the so if i were to like highlight like testimony building moments in my life yeah so when i was baptized i re- i distinctly remember that spiritual experience wow that's I amazing felt people true. say they remember their baptism and i'm always like do you really because i don't but yeah no, I, and sitting I, here and I, I believe that you remember this so um what happened for me was I was baptized and that the baptism part, you know, the water, I, it was, you know, I remember how it felt, you know, the water was warm and whatever. Mm-hmm. But for me, it was a really spiritual experience to receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. Oh, cool. And I don't know that I remembered hearing or paying attention to people's baptisms prior, mm-hmm. but when he pronounced receive the Holy Ghost, it was like this command and I felt like... The spirit come upon me like a distinct difference and I started to tear up and I remember thinking stop crying why are you crying (laughs) but it was just like an overwhelming uh, experience with the spirit and Mm -hmm. it's kind of been like 
a neat thing to be able to know the feeling of what the spirit feels like yeah. at the moment I received it. And so it's been a constant, like, in my life, I know when I'm feeling the spirit because I can remember what it was like to not feel it before mm. I felt it. You know, that contrast. And so... That's really it's special. It's kind of cool. Do you feel yeah. like your family did anything special to help foster that sensitivity to the spirit or it was just kind of a special gift in that moment? I don't... I don't know that there was something necessarily fostered, but I will say by the time I became eight years old, my siblings, my at least the older three, were in the throes of teenage life. And so I think my parents were already very... Um, Preoccupied with that? Well, or just very consistent with everything like family night and family prayer. And oh, we're really okay. trying to make sure that we were getting every gospel lesson possible and I don't I mean they just had already established all those good habits yeah and so so being the benefit of the youngest I think that you know I don't know if they had just (laughs) tried it out on everybody by the time that I I benefited from their consistency in the established you know family life but um I think it might have also just been a unique gift that I was given at that moment. Because yeah. I can't think of something that had prepared me. I don't remember my parents saying, you're going to feel different. I don't remember any even like lesson coming up to it. I don't even remember, like I said, somebody else's baptismal experience mm-hmm. that I was drawing on. But mm-hmm. I just remember like I wasn't expecting that. It almost was like a what's happening to me right now mm-hmm. feeling. Yeah. Unique. Very unique. Yeah. That's so, really cool. yeah, I think that's a great experience. Thanks for sharing yeah. that. And it just makes me think. So, I love the idea of like contraries, right? And like, so it makes me think of the contrary of nature versus nurture. So, like, sometimes we want to know so much, like, how do we nurture a child to be perfect? And it's like, yeah, you can do everything you can, but you have to realize the other end of the stick is nature and I think your parents probably did a lot and I think you probably were just somebody who that experience was was an experience you were prepared for because I personally feel like one of my life missions is to try to understand how to feel the Holy Ghost and I feel like I, I don't expect that I might ever know in this life I might always be working at it Whereas your experience was like you were given something that this is how you know. And so I think yeah. just like some, some unique experiences with the Holy Ghost just contrasting you and you and me. And there's a million more different experiences yeah. too. One right? thing I will just share with you, and you can edit this out if you don't like it, but <laughs> I just had an institute um, dinner with a general authority who came out and his wife said she, on their mission when they were mission president and before they became general authority she had prayed to receive 
kind of what you're saying, like to understand uh-huh. how I feel the spirit and the revelation, like she wanted to know, like, and her answer came that you don't need to because you've been receiving it your whole life. Yeah. Yeah. It's not going to feel different because you've mm-hmm. always had it. And I'm not, I'm not trying to say that's what you have, but sometimes we go for a big dramatic difference and it wasn't like I came from not having the spirit with me but I also think many of us that grew up in the church might not understand or feel a distinct difference or contrast because we're just constantly guided and that's a big part of Elder Bednar's recent book right he's like we like you need to recognize like you are surrounded by it because you're a covenant member of the church and I think more what I'm trying to realize like I feel like I am blessed with the Holy Ghost but I feel like a constant life effort for me is always like recognizing like understanding and following like we talked with Bishop and Sister Penrod and she said like he is so good at just doing what the spirit says and I'm like man I really like want to develop that so I think it's just like, that's more what I think I'm trying to say is that yeah. I just think for me, a life lesson is constantly working on recognizing and following the spirit. I don't doubt that it blesses my life on a regular basis, but sometimes I'm walking around oblivious to it, right? So, <laughs> but I think you've had a great experience that has taught you to like really recognize the spirit, which is great. Yeah. yeah. That's cool. That's really and thanks for sharing that. That's, yeah. Uh, yeah. So, Brother Blankmeyer, tell us a little bit about your growing up experience and some of your formative spiritual experiences. Sure. So, Eliza does like to point out that I was a leash child. <laughs> and, you know what uh, that is? A leash child. <laughs> My mom literally had me on the leash because I was <laughs> back then I think this was before diagnosis of ADD or ADHD I mean that was me okay? <laughs> so I was 100% just active energy my poor mom just literally had me on the leash and there's this hilarious like footage of me at my sister's like I think it was her kindergarten graduation where I am like leashed up <laughs> and uh, the kids always remind me of this but given that um, like Roberta and let me just back up real quick now you can see why I married <laughs> Roberta she's just the Nephi of her family she's just so good with being spiritually in tune and always doing the right thing. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, clearly we'll probably get into how we met, but obviously you can see why. Um, She's a keeper. There's no question. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) But uh, shifting gears then, so I grew up um, not too far from where Roberta Uh, grew up. So I grew up in La Habra, California, also in Orange County, uh, close to uh, both Anaheim and Fullerton, as Roberta had mentioned. We actually were born in the same hospital. Whoa, Uh, wasn't wasn't the same time because there's distance between our ages, but um, 
Yeah, in Orange County, California. So that's where I grew up. Now, I will say I I have an older sister, so there's just two of us as siblings, and then my mom and dad. I think the thing that I find a little unique is that both my grandparents lived in Southern California as well, so I was mm. really close. Yeah to my mom and dad's parents that lived in Anaheim, and then my mom and dad, or my mom's parents that lived, they lived in uh, San Gabriel, which is part of the Los Angeles area, and then somewhere in the early 70s when they retired, they moved to San Clemente, California. So I remember which spending- is a beach. Uh, yeah, beautiful coastal community. My my grandparents had um, a nice property very close to the beach within walking distance. And mm -hmm. as a kid, I just remember like That's doing junior lifeguard and mm -hmm. just being really active at their place during the summers mm -hmm. when, when kind of my baseball and just everything would kind of like... Come to an end, yep, yeah. that summers were spent at the beach house. So, um, but going back, I, I grew up, uh, I'll say this about my father. He was a naval officer uh, and then went into civilian life uh, right before Vietnam kind of escalated. And then my mother was a stay-at-home mom. Um, but then eventually my mom went back to school. I remember she worked at the, at the elementary school okay. library. Oh, cool. Yeah. She volunteered. Keep, and, keep her eye on you. Yeah, I think, yeah. <laughs> Cause I can definitely go off script. She and just tell got you. a bigger leash. <laughs> yes, a much bigger leash because my sister was kind of that role model, like student body president, treasurer. <laughs> I knew the principal, unfortunately, for other reasons, <laughs> and uh, was always kind of getting in trouble. Um, I was the youngest kind of on my block, and I had, I had a cousin, so my aunt and uncle lived only four doors up from me, and my cousin Jeff is a year older than me, so we were kind of pretty, like Pretty brothers. close, yeah. Yep. Same baseball teams, everything oh, growing up. Yeah. Um, but life was really good. I And not only that, having both grandparents, but I had a ton of aunts and uncles and mm -hmm. cousins. Fun. All within, I'm going to say, less than 100 miles from where we lived. And so, like, Christmas time, Easter, Thanksgiving were just these massive family gatherings That's around awesome. cousins yeah. Yeah. and um, relatives. And so it was always really fun. Well, that's such a great way to grow up. So yeah, that, I mean, I really knew my family, really knew my family. As a matter of fact, just a little side note, I mean, and we're a close family too, even though now like years have taken Roberta and I out of Southern California. Like, we just had our daughter-in-law, Julia, spend time with one of our cousins because she got her internship oh, in Newport cool. Beach. Yeah. And our cousin, 
lives in uh, Fountain Valley, and they took her in, and wow. you know, just like family, just that's right, cool. Yeah, so I mean, it, it it was a great it was a great growing up. Formative, I would say, of course. Again, my dad being a naval officer and you know being an auditor. I mean, he was very precise about how things work or operate and I think that was good for me because I think I got a lot of like analytical kind of perspective. Um, my mom I would say is more the creative type per se. Um, so I did get those traits from her and then again now keep in mind I didn't grow up in the church. Oh, so uh, we lost it too. Sick, awesome. <laughs> um, That's awesome. He's stoked. Been working yeah, on that all day. <laughs> working on it. I remember those days. Yeah. Remember those? <laughs> Keep Sorry going. for the interruption, but yeah. So your dad's. So my dad, the, like I said, you know the very yeah, and set a really good example. I mean, my dad. He was very successful in, in he played uh, baseball, and I remember like reading little clips like he had never missed a game, he had always got a hit in the game. He, he I mean, just my dad was, he graduated high school without ever missing a day of school. I mean, he was just this like, like very methodical, yes. detail oriented, <laughs> yeah. And, like, really, yeah. and then my, my mom, again, she she was there. She was there up until about, I think, I'm going to say fourth grade. Fourth grade is when she got involved in the library. And then my mom never finished college. So she eventually went back to school and started working her way. And, you know, to this day now, she's even got a master's degree. Oh, wow. So she, she really, um, you know, later in life... Uh, had that opportunity to to do that. Yeah. Um, Before we get away from young Eric Blinkmeyer, mm-hmm. too far away from young Eric Blinkmeyer, I'm curious. Like, so you, you you're a very wild, rambunctious boy with a military father. Yes. How did that? How do you feel like your father handled that? And then like I don't know, maybe some perspective on that. Like, yes, what, that was good. Yeah, was what awesome. tips do you have for parents of rambunctious? Yeah, nah, yeah, we might know some people with well, some like, rambunctious boys. I got tips boys. for the kids on how to like fly under the radar, <laughs> <Or> survive. Uh, <laughs> um, yeah, because let me just say, like, I really had to course correct. But to your point, <laughs> yeah couple of things I had going, and th- these are tips for parents maybe to look <laughs> at it first I'll share. Um, like I was the youngest, so when trouble would kind of develop, <laughs> I kind of got pulled into it <laughs> okay. because there were older kids. Like I mentioned my cousin Jeff, not ratting out my cousin Jeff, yeah. but okay. but there were older boys and I just kind of, you know, Yeah, like you were living a life mouth. older than your age, yes. right? Okay. Precise. I mean, that's what I see my youngest child. I'm like, Miles is doing things that our oldest son was not doing at his same age, but just because they're older, because his older of that siblings are. So I think Correct. that's maybe what you're. So that's saying. that's what I would say. Now, of course, there were times where 
things were just very self-evident. Like my parents knew that I was in trouble or not okay. living up to like their expectations. And like most parents, I got grounded. <laughs> you know, I got the lectures. I, you know, clearly, clearly felt their love, but also it was very stern from my dad. I mean, there wasn't a lot of wasn't a lot of gray area. It was black or white. Like, yeah. you okay. know, this is this is the expectations. If you live under my roof, this is what. Yeah. Okay. You know, we expect of you. So, so, so I mean, that influence was there. The love was there, and you know, again, I, I think I've mentioned this before, but for the podcast, I we didn't have religion in my home. Not oh, okay. not even an ounce of religion. The only time I ever found myself in a church was someone getting married in the family or a funeral. And then, you know, like, religion was a touchy subject, though, in, I say this with kind of a smile and, you know, not trying to throw anything under the bus, but, like, my mother, my mother... Mm -hmm. Her parents eloped because they forecasted that they would offend either the Lutherans mm. in the family, yeah. the Roman Catholics in the family, the Greek Orthodox in the family, the Presbyterians in the family, if they were to settle on one of those Yeah. So Thanks. there was a Churches. lot of religious diversity, and there was no way to keep everybody happy. Correct. Yeah. So, but as far as his mom and dad, there was not a prayer probably said once in your house. Well, and what about the extended family? It doesn't sound like you were exposed through them so, much either. There was a little bit in the extended family, but again, very... And honestly, that would have been more so the, so the Maloof side, which is my Greek Orthodox... Catholicism. Lebanese. They they were more so religious than than the others, I would say, in in terms of like actually going like to church mm -hmm. on a yeah. Sunday or for okay. services. But it was um, not a part of your life. Not a part of my life at okay. all. Um, but but I just mentioned that because you know I didn't grow up with the church, but. If you're talking formative, I remember as a young kid, and I was probably about eight years old, and I remember, and this goes totally dating myself here, but for those listening to the podcast, uh, you'll remember there was a series called Mutual of Omaha, like wildlife series that played every like Sunday. And I'll never forget watching this episode. It was a, It was about wildlife and you know, they would track various wildlife throughout various countries and so forth. Mm. And I remember seeing this one episode of, of a lion, and it was very educational, but in the end, this lion dies, and it's kind of sad just the mm. way that the, the episode ended. Yeah. And, you know, I was really kind of... I was sad. I mean, I was experiencing some emotions that I've never really felt. Mm. And, you know, my parents are... It, it, kind of the ritual in the house was we would watch this program and then it was bedtime. And so as I went to bed, I just was kind of stirring in my bed. 
most of the night thinking there's got to be more to life than just being here and dying. And that was me at eight, just kind of, there's got to be more to this thing called life. I mean, I was having a little philosophical moment, yeah. I guess. Um, and then, though, fast forward, I mean, I, I didn't really convert until later in life, but, you know, that was kind of my upbringing. Yeah, yeah that, I don't know, that just makes me think... President Nelson in that recent uh, broadcast to the youth, I think it was to the youth, um, he, he talked about like the fact that we're all going to die. And mm-hmm. I think he seems to kind of talk about that topic enough that it's making me think like maybe I should, We it, it's good for us to think about that, right? Like that is, that's part of life that really makes us think about what's happening next and can be a really strong influence on our testimonies yeah i mean you know if all you're thinking about is like the here and now sure it's hard to really form a strong testimony so that's really cool thanks for sharing that that is cool so i do want to hear were you going to say did i have anything else i know you asked oh well yeah just formative experiences and then i do want to hear as you got a little older how you i think i've heard some of this story from you guys about how you got introduced to the church was it through those regional dances or something were you telling me about this roberta edit this so i didn't know him when he converted oh okay okay i knew him after how okay you tell us how did you find the church again as i stated we grew up in orange county and there was obviously and still to this day a pretty strong lds population where roberta and i grew up so i was around lds um youth growing up where it really, I guess, started was I, I will go back to fourth grade because my mm-hmm. my one school that I was attending, El Portal, had shut down and then I had to go to a new school. So I was that new kid coming into elementary school in fourth grade. And there I was in Mrs. Stonebrook's class sitting at a desk and had to share a desk with a desk mate. And my buddy to my left was John Argyle, who is a member of the faith. And so John and I became really good friends, and that friendship to this day is is wow. a very, very That's so cool. strong friendship. But yeah. um, nevertheless, I, I grew up with John. I had uh, two boys, and actually they had a sister, a couple of sisters. But they were LDS and they were in my neighborhood, just two streets down, the mm-hmm. DeShane family. So I got to know them, um, and this is now kind of in my teenage years, because of playing baseball, that was one of the sports that I played growing up. Um, Mark DeShane, uh, you know, ward baseball, you know, uh, that's a big thing in California. I don't and, know. Yeah, if, but I we have baseball diamonds usually right adjacent to mm-hmm. the to the buildings. The buildings. Okay. And so, so that was kind of like the beginning, I guess. Meaning, I started to play um, in these leagues uh, with the church, and um, I got to know other youth. Um, 
speaking of which, and unfortunately, he passed away at a too early of an age, but uh, one of the great-grandsons to W.W. Phelps um, I got to know that was... uh, I went through junior high and high school with him, uh, Darren Phelps. But uh, nevertheless, um, there I was doing that. Then, you know, as I got a little older, I started to go to the dances, too, because, again, I'm kind of hanging out with this, like, Mark and Mike DeShane and... um, you know, as we're getting older and dances are occurring. <laughs> Nothing to propel your testimony like mingling with some ladies at the stake dances, yeah. right? <laughs> yeah, and so I started going to the dances. And, and I've shared this before, but worthy of sharing again, as a kid that was kind of on the outside coming to these dances, mm-hmm. I always was impressed. Maybe I didn't know it at the time but I always felt welcome because those adult leaders some would recognize me Mm -hmm. and just take a quick minute or two just to oh Eric great to see that you're here with us and how are things going how's school I used to run cross I mean they they knew me just Mm -hmm. like kind of like you know, the old home teaching, visiting teaching, or ministering now. I mean, they knew me. That's such a good insight, I think, for anybody listening to this podcast, that you can really impact a young person just by showing that amount of interest, you know, knowing their name and maybe a couple of things that they're interested in and taking a minute to pull them aside and talk to them. Yeah, and that it doesn't have to necessarily be something big because I always think like, oh, to influence a a youth, you really have to like, I don't know, do something big or be involved in their life. But those are like very small things, just saying hi, saying you're good to see you. Yeah, sure. That's really cool. So, So that, so again, I was exposed to the church and then going to both the DeShane house or the... Um, Argyle House or the Phelps House. Now keep in mind, this is the only, only time I've ever seen families pray together. Yeah. Pray for a meal. Like, I never saw that growing up. Even when, like, our big families would get, like, there was never a prayer said. Mm -hmm. Um, So, again, hindsight, I knew I was feeling the spirit Mm -hmm. going into their homes but I didn't really know it at the time. Like, yeah. I, I could tell the difference when I walked into their homes. And again, not bashing other friends or their family, like, religions, but yeah. there was obvious a distinct difference when I walked into my friends' homes that were LDS growing up. And again, I I didn't fully comprehend it, but obviously I think... I was being receptive to it. Mm -hmm. So, well, what I just heard in there, literally tonight, I was like, why on earth do we even try to say a dinner prayer? (laughs) 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 This is a total freak show. (laughs) But I think that's why, right? For for anybody wondering why do we say dinner prayers, that's why, right there. Yeah. Like, there's a lot of power in it, whether you think so or not. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And even if they were a little wild, I mean, a lot of the LDS youth he yeah. had like, were not. 
somehow <laughs> definitely were playing the Sunday game poker face yeah. is maybe the best way to put it. However, again, good kids, great families. They were just a little wayward in their ways. Mm-hmm. Um, you know that. But you it, got to know their families, and so you yeah, like I, I I got to see the full play in action. Mm-hmm. Okay, but again. I felt something, and that eventually, I mean, the short version is um, two missionaries. Now, this is, you know, I've got friends that are on missions, friends that are now coming back from their missions, and two missionaries knock on my door one day, and I'm in college, and I'm working part-time, I'm going to school part-time, two missionaries just knock on my door randomly, I happen to be home, and I start talking to them, you know, first and foremost, I'm maybe just a couple years older than them at this stage. And, you know, I immediately bond with them. They're talking about the Book of Mormon. And they ask me, like, do you know about the Book of Mormon? And I'm trying to kind of act cool, like, because I've been to many farewells at this point. I've been okay. back to homecoming, you know, missionary homecomings. So again, I felt like I've been kind of part of the church, kind of quasi. So I'm trying to like just fit in and kind of make their day good because I knew my friends that had been on missions and, you know, heard some of the stories. So they said, oh, cool. How do you know? And I'm like, well, I kind of know, but I really don't know. And then that's when they said, okay, tell you what, we got this book. And we got several pages in Third Nephi that we've, you know, they dog-eared the pages, circled some verses, and said, we'd like for you to read this. And then, if it's okay, do you think you can read this within a week and we can come back next week about the same time? And I said, oh, yeah, it works perfect. I'm in between, like, work and school. So, boom. They give me the book. I read it. Of course, I, I feel, again, I don't know it at the time, but I'm feeling the Spirit as I'm reading these various chapters and verses in Third Nephi. And I finish, and I put the book, I remember this so distinctly, because I'm in college, and back then, like, college books cost crazy money when we were in college. And I thought, this book must be worth, like, I mean, seriously, that's, Uh you know, because it's like a textbook to me. Put it on my shelf because, like, as soon as I see these two missionaries, I'm going to return the book back because there's value in the book. Uh And a week goes by and they don't show up. Oh, no. (laughs) Two weeks go by, they don't show up. And so a month goes by, nothing. And so... You know, I kind of kind of lost track, but I always had it on my shelf. So visibly, I could always see it as I was kind of going in and out of my room. And then the semester ends, and it's, it's now going into Christmas break and the whole Christmas spirit thing. And I remember just distinctly looking at the book, and I said, okay, I felt good reading that book. I think now that like I don't have the demands of school, I'm going to read the book. Wow. And I started from page one and then finished the book 
And then did as Moroni said, you know, pray about whether or not this is true. So I got my own witness and kind of to Roberta's point, you know, I felt something that I could not deny. And again, like making those little connections, like being in a church building, having an, a, an adult leader just talk to me, um, being in my friend's homes, just all these little consistent feelings of the spirit. And I remember when I finished, I said that prayer the very next day was Sunday and it was New Year's Day that Sunday. So I said, okay, I'm going to make a resolution. I'm going to just go to church and just check it out. That was kind of my motto. Total Book of Mormon conversion. Uh, <laughs> no missionaries. I, I'm just going to go and check it out and see what this is about. Uh-huh. Now, granted, I knew where the church building was because of all the dances yeah. and you know playing games and so forth, sports. So I arrive and I and I think I recall like just now. I didn't know. I didn't know, like, the church, like, things change, like, you know, ward time. So I yeah, arrive at 9 because yeah. I remember, pretty sure I went at 9 <laughs> to see this guy, you know, friend's farewell yeah. or homecoming. So I end up in the wrong ward, but it was pretty clear that, like, when I arrived, like, pretty quickly, a man and I... To this day, don't remember. Maybe he was like an elders quorum president. Like he knew I was kind of out of place okay. and I was yeah. an unfamiliar face. So it was nice that he approached me and he started talking to me. And then he said, oh, we need to get the missionaries connected to you. He had a funny sense of humor because he realized that I was not in the right ward. And then he's like, wait a minute. He's like, do you play baseball? And I'm like, yeah, or softball. And he's like, oh, okay. He's like, well, do us a favor. If you join the church, yeah. don't play sports anymore because you're killing us <laughs> anymore. So, you know, and I kind of chuckled. But the short version is he got me connected to the missionaries. And then back then, those missionaries didn't cover, like, the ward I was supposed to be in, like my home ward. And so they made the connection, but the interesting thing is that the missionaries that were out tracking me originally, uh-huh. like, I guess the term is white, white like, yeah, they, okay. they were gone now. There was none of them, and I, I, to this day, Elder Warner and Elder Gerber were the two missionaries that I took the lessons from, and then they were the two that baptized me. Did uh-huh. you ever find out who the other missionaries were that left you the book? Never did. Uh-huh. I wonder if that's a way to track that. That's interesting. Yeah. yeah. But I, so. but I, I connected with them, and then just to give you a timeline, so that's January one. I was baptized February twelfth. Um. So you know, pretty. Yeah. Pretty Fairly quick. Fast, yeah. yeah. Um. And and a great story about this. So again, as Roberta alluded, one of my friends, you know, again, he wasn't always on the covenant path, but he gets back from his mission. Now he's at BYU. And I call him because my bishop says, 
hey, for your baptism, you can have someone that you really appreciate, you know, is going to talk during your baptism. And, you know, I want you to ponder and pray to think who that, who you would want to speak. So, of course, I'm thinking about certain people in the ward that, like the ward mission leader and others mm, okay. that were... Had been part... Uh, have been participating part of this, in the lessons and yep, stuff. Yeah, the lessons okay. and just, you know, kind of kind of rallying around me. I had a great a great ward with great people that you know, I, they were just so instrumental. But then I felt like, oh, I got to call John, my fourth grade, you know, <laughs> deskmate buddy uh-huh. that now, you know, I'm 22. And so is he. I call him up. He's at BYU. And I go, John, I go, I'm going to get baptized in two weeks. And the bishop asked that I have, you know, to have someone that's, you know, important to me do the talk. And my friend John is just not having it. He's thinking I am playing a trick on him. Totally playing a trick. Okay. That's funny. And I'm like, seriously, John, and he is not at all (laughs) buying this, okay? (laughs) And then I go, I go, I go, John, I'm really serious. And he's like, who's putting you up to this? And he's even like, are you at my parents? And he's like, dad, and and he's screaming in the phone. And it's just really funny. And I'm like, John, no. I go, I'm calling you from my home. I go, you can call me right back. (laughs) And he's like, he goes, you're just kidding, though. And I said, I go, okay, here's the deal. I go, what I remember in the first book of Nephi is you have, you know, a father named Lehi and his wife named Sariah. And he's got, you know, these boys. And I, you know, start Laman, Lemuel, Nephi. Say, you know, I'm going down the line here and and. Dead silence. Uh-huh. And I'm like, like how he read the book. Yeah. And now he knows. And I'm like, I'm serious that I'm getting baptized. And he's like, oh my gosh. Yes, I'm coming. And so, you know, he, he came and participated. But that was that's so uh, funny. That's kind of it, I guess, that's as we're You said. never know who you're uh, going to influence in your life. You know, yeah. that guy you sat next to in school or... A Book of Mormon conversion. Or a Book of Mormon yeah. you place on your mission that you thought you never would see the result of. Those missionaries still don't know that right. the fruit of dropping that book off. You know? Right, right. It's amazing. So awesome. you can't be discouraged. And, and, and one thing I will say is I always told my children that served their missions, I said, you know, when the Spirit speaks strongly to you to go knock on that door, knock on that door, because it could be someone like me that's, yeah. that, mm-hmm. that's been prepped up to a certain point, yeah. and this is kind of the last link that they need to get yeah. them to, you know, fully understand the, and, and commit, you know, commit to be baptized, commit to become a member of the church. Yeah. You this, think about like all the links in that chain too. Like you could you be can anywhere any along yeah. that. There's a lot chain. of links involved. Yeah. This goes along to, with something that I've been thinking about a lot lately as well. So I, I read this book that I really love and it was, it's by David Brooks, 
he's a New York Times columnist, so maybe people have read some stuff from him before, but he was like, you know, a staunch atheist. He grew up religious, staunch atheist through most of his life. And then started realizing, like having these spiritual experiences and like realizing like, wow, I'm a religious person. And he did like, I think he would even say still, he doesn't exactly know what that means. But along the path, he said as a ton of his friends, when they heard that he was kind of going through this experience, he said he had to have received a hundred books from, from friends. And he said that 50 of them were different copies of mere Christianity and then like a bunch of other religious books. And he said, he says, but the, the people who were really wise and had the best advice always said, read the scriptures. And I've been thinking about that a ton because I love to read books about the scriptures. And at this point in my life, I'm like, okay, I kind of know the stories pretty well. And like, sometimes I get into reading them. I'm like not really pulling a lot out of the actual scriptures. So I really like to read about the scriptures, mm-hmm. but I've been thinking so much more lately about how like you really have to go to the source. And this is a perfect example because we always feel like so much of missionary work is like, let me tell you all of the details about the church instead of go to the scriptures. Like that's where you're going to find this. And I think that's such a cool story that illustrates that Like you didn't need anybody else mm-hmm. at all. All you needed was the book. Yeah. yeah. That's really cool. That's really cool. Yeah. So real quick before we leave this topic, sure. I think it's super important just to realize how religion and our decisions about religion affect family members. So I'm curious to know like what your parents' reaction was to that, um, what that relationship has looked like over the years dealing with religion. Sure. So my, my parents were definitely supportive. Um, they were there for my ba- for everything, everything that that was meaningful that I invited them to. They've been there a hundred percent. Not only that, but for our yeah. children, baptism. baptism um, that is so cool. Eric getting the priesthood. They're incredible um, people. They, they and even they're non-religious. They're they're moral and ethical people. They okay. they are kind yeah. and just good hearted Mm -hmm. so yeah they're yeah and and, I mean I can go on for a long time but I'll never forget one of the best experiences for me was my when Sophia went on her mission so this is our oldest daughter going on her mission the mission or excuse me state president before setting her apart he brings us all into the office and um, my parents were invited as well, and he gave some really great counsel, but it was a, really cool because he, he asked everyone in the room to give some advice, and I think, if I recall right, he went to my mom and dad first. He asked them. To defer to, to your parents. Yeah, and it was great because my parents were totally engaged, um, you know, really enjoying the experience and then throughout the mission. The one thing I will say, you know, to give hope to those like me who's, who's like, I'm the only member in my family, but I will say watching my children go through their missions, like my parents getting so involved, mm. like, you know, the, yeah. the, 
the emails, uh, you know, back then, like, our two oldest could only email once a week, and then the rules, of course, change. But but just the engagement yeah. it has been massive, and my parents um, so cool. have been very supportive. I did get a little bit of, of flack from a couple family members, uh, you know. Or distant cousins, but, weren't they? Yeah, and, and one uncle, I won't. Okay. Yeah. But 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 it you know again religion is a pretty hot topic in our topic, family yeah. so I just kind of let it roll. Um, mm-hmm. But but yeah, my parents clearly a hundred percent on board and very That's supportive. So cool. That's yeah. great. All right, so I really want to get Eliza in on this conversation. So to set you up for that, can uh, both you, brother and sister Blankmeyer, just kind of tell about some early family life? I guess we need a the good love story too. So tell us how you met, early <laughs> childhood or, or early family life, and then that'll set Eliza up for kind of saying what it's been like growing up in the Blankmeyer home for us. Okay. Okay, yeah. so we um, met at Institute which is good encouragement yeah. for anybody Great that's not in <laughs> Yeah, we were both attending Fullerton uh, College in California. And okay. um, I had graduated a year early from high school, and he was older than me. So <laughs> Thank you for not revealing yeah. my age. <laughs> and... Um, how many years had you been going to this institute? <laughs> <laughs> he he'd been a member for a year About before a year, I met you my because I kept did saying, go, go to, to your ordination yeah. when you received the Melchizedek priesthood, which yep. I'm assuming would have come a year yep. after. That's correct. So he he was about a year after okay. um, joining the church when I met him. And I was serving in the presidency of the institute as a counselor, first counselor. And he was one of the people that we were, you know, just sensitive to because he was fairly new. And um, so I, I very wanted... sensitive, right? You were yes. extremely sensitive. I was to him, being I very sensitive to, you know, whatever he was needing. And I found that he. Do you need somebody he... to hold your hand right yes. now? Do you need um, somebody to snuggle yeah. with right now? Okay. So we went. Um, well, I had a couple of girlfriends that were like, I don't know, two or three years older. I mean, everybody was older than me because I was like 17. Young, yeah. um, but um, anyways, they're like, you know, if he would date somebody in the church, you know, that's a good thing. Yeah. So there were a couple of sisters that I had been saying, oh, you should go out with him. <laughs> you know who I was going to set you up with was Melanie Hill's sister. Because she even thought maybe you were too old. did you ever meet her anyway um cute girl but after i don't know how long a time not probably very long maybe it was even just a couple of hours i realized why am i trying to set him up with someone else so we just went and did some like friendly type activities together like golfing or I don't know what we, what else we did. Just some like very non-date like stuff, and then um, 
Like, I gotta like, tell a story. Okay. Is it long? No. Real short. <laughs> I I've never now I just become an elder, so um I'd never given a priesthood blessing, but do you remember the time? So it was really kind of cool because two just really stand-up quality LDS guys, um, Eric Kalakani and Brian Cable, like literally were like right next to me. One's whispering in my ear, like what? Oh to, wow! Hoping you get because I never seen blessing. it. I yeah. never grew up in the church. Wow, okay. I mean, this is all That's like so cool. new to me, but. Uh -huh. Roberta just needed a blessing, and <laughs> and it was so kind that they thought of me, you know, to yeah. to actually, you know, put the priesthood to work. So and we hadn't even started dating yet, so uh, I was his first. Now, priesthood wait, blessing. so did you? Aww. You didn't ask him. You said that well, you really wanted the boys well. help. Yeah. yeah, the boys said, "Hey, Eric, you should do this." Yeah, I don't know if I, I approached like how, probably yeah, Brian, maybe. Yeah. Or Eric, I don't know. Okay. But they're then, like, oh, we should get him involved. Oh, that's him. awesome. Yeah, cool. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Anyway, so. I bless you that you will find a amazing awesome. killer husband. Handsome, <laughs> dashing husband. <laughs> <laughs> I shouldn't joke about that. Yes. Okay. It was something like that. Uh, <laughs> anyway, we went out like, I don't know. What our official first date was it that one that you planned where we went to um, Laguna Beach? Yes. Okay, that was probably uh -huh. our first date. Long so, road I don't know, trip we, there. Yeah. Yeah, we did a. It was like a scavenger hunt dinner. Yeah. And then out on the beach, and then. Oh, not Laguna Beach, Utah. No, Laguna okay. Beach. Um, <laughs> you're thinking of Laguna. Yeah. Southern California traffic, though. I, I was with you. I was too. Oh, okay. yeah. I mean, still cutting that beaches, one. Cutting that one out of the podcast. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not from California. Was, Although I will mention, it was probably 45 minutes. One of the fun oh, things yeah. about this podcast is, you, like, you make connections with life things with people. My parents grew up in Orange County. I don't oh, know if yeah. we've ever wow. talked about wow. that before. Wow. So anyhow, wow. what city? Garden Grove. Garden Grove. Okay. okay. Yeah. Yeah. Very familiar. No, well, that's not very mm -hmm. far, right? No. Buena Park. Buena Park. Okay. Sorry. What's Garden Grove is like if you're going on the beach, depending on what. Laguna Beach is that the if you're in Laguna Beach is that the one? Laguna Beach. <laughs> So I'm know, just I'm just kidding. Laguna Beach is south of of uh, trying to act like Newport. I know what Laguna Beach is. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, so we went out on I don't know five, six, maybe seven dates before he ever tried to kiss me goodnight. It's like okay, all right. So he's going slow and steady. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Well played. What did you guys yeah. like I mean, about each other when you first? We're getting to know each other when you met. What drew you to each other? Honestly, for me, I, I mean, I hate to say this. Well, or maybe it needs to be said, is that truly as, a, as growing up in the church at Latter-day Saint, young woman, I was really wanting to date good LDS boys. Yeah. And unfortunately, I had gone on a lot of dates with not mm. great LDS youth. Mm -hmm. And I was like, okay... Uh, when I went to college, I was anxious to, you know, have a little higher caliber, 
more mm-hmm. testimony and he had just joined the church. He was mm-hmm. like on fire. He was on fire. He yeah, I mean truly, he just had a strong testimony and he was so eager to like learn. He was like a sponge at institute trying to just Yeah. It was the most attractive thing. That's awesome. More than his being handsome or all the other qualities. It was his testimony. And it was bright. Yeah. And it was the most attractive thing. That's and so it was cool. refreshing. And not that, like, Eric Kavakani, who I dated before, mm-hmm. he's a very spiritual guy. But, like, there was something more as well. Yeah. You know, yeah. he, he just had all the things. I but that was the first thing. I think That's that so is cool. good for people to hear. Yeah, for sure. What about you? Set your priorities right. Yeah. Right? Yeah. 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 I mean, like, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And for me, um, you know, I, I would say kind of the same thing. Roberta had, a, I could just tell her testimony was just solid. Mm-hmm. Solid testimony, very spiritual, very inclusive, meaning just in her leadership role. She, I, I, just, I just noticed things like, wow, she is really emulating the Savior in her life. And that, mm-hmm. that was important to me. And... You know, on top of just everything else, she obviously very attractive and still is to this day, you know. Um, there was that physical attraction, but also just, you know, here's this young lady that, you know, finished high school early, that was on the fast track, that, um, again, just spiritually in tune and as we started dating more and having very in-depth conversations I just felt like wow you know she is she is so advanced and I guess to the contrary like some of the dates that I had through the um, institute that like she was setting me up on (laughs) some of these and again, maybe this needs to be said. Some of these young women were just very immature. Mm-hmm. And it was just like, I, I mean, I hate to be so judged, but it was like, wow, I just feel like I'm babysitting this girl. Like, I just, mm-hmm. like, God, I just end this date and, like, you know, politely just, mm-hmm. this this is not working. But Roberta, I mean, the the conversation... And the connection was was just clearly what attracted me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. I love that. Thanks, guys. That's awesome.